This is the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Pronman and Chris Peters of Flow Hockey back with another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. We got a super exciting show today, standouts from the NHL preseason to discuss, but first, Corey spending some time in Regina, Saskatchewan with presumptive top 2023 pick Connor Bedard. We're going to start right there. Here is Corey and Connor Bedard. I actually wanted to start with a quote from your longtime coach, John Calvano. Yeah. He refers to you as a hockey nerd. Why do you think he calls you a hockey nerd? And and would you agree with him? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I love kind of studying the game almost. And, um, you know, for me, it's it's all I really want to do is play hockey. And, you know, when I'm home, I'm you know, doing stuff, watching, watching NHL. And, you know, even at school, you're searching up guys' highlights and stuff. So it's stuff like that. And uh, it's just stuff I enjoy to do, like when you're not playing. When you're watching NHL games, are you still a Canucks diehard, or are you, or are you broadening your scope a little bit more right now? I'm, I'm a big Canucks fan still, but I mean, I, I watch a lot just to, you know, see you guys and, and see what they do. But uh, for Canucks games on, that's definitely the one I'll be, I'll be tuning into. Who were, like, who are your Canucks? I, whether, whether even now or in the past, who were like, the, you know, your favorite players, your idols, the guys you just, you were, you know, that those were your guys growing up. That was that you were your big fan of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously Sedin era. I was sure. a big, uh, my favorite player was always Tana, Chris Tana. Interesting, why? He just, if you like watch those guys, I think, uh, you know, I mean, he'd block every shot, you know, ever, and, you know, just see the sacrifice and stuff. And then obviously Mott was, was my next one, favorite one. But um, I think just, obviously, like I said, it was Sedin era. And, you know, I mean, it was a, uh, you know, they had those those couple uh, good years when I was pretty young, and uh, you know, I was excited to watch. Did you ever watch junior hockey when you were a kid? You watched the World Juniors. You watched WHL hockey. Uh, always World Juniors every Christmas, and <clears throat> I went to a couple Giants games and a few uh, like Blazers and Rockets games. I think when I was down there, but not too much junior, but a lot of World Juniors. I think it was John who mentioned that you would like pull up all Austin Matthews goals to watch to watch them to kind of to kind of learn from them. Is that like something that you would just like? Are you just like Googling NHL.com or like do, do they have like a sports logic account that for your agency or your team that you would like kind of use to like, like how into the weeds are you getting with this kind of stuff? I mean, just YouTube, you can find that stuff pretty easily. And, uh, I mean, Matthew's like you said, yeah, I watch a lot just, just on the shot. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I watch them, watch them all the time. So just learning stuff from all those guys is huge. Is that the kind of guy you model your game after or is there another, is another player, is it a combination? I don't know if I model my game after anyone. It's just kind of trying to learn things from from everyone and and you know be my own player. But uh, you can you can take things from from so many guys in the NHL, and that's just some you know his, his shot or something I try to take. And and it's you know when we when we talk about your game, your shot comes up a lot. Um, do you consider yourself a goal scorer or a playmaker? Because it's interesting. Whenever I talk to anybody, any like NHL scouts or who only watch you, like say with Team Canada. They would describe you as a goal scorer. When I talk to NHL scouts who only watch you in Regina, they describe you as a playmaker. So how would how would you define your game? Yeah, I don't think I see myself as one or the other. I think uh, you know whatever plays there, I'm going to try to make that play. And uh, if that's shoot, it's shoot. If it's pass, it's pass. And um, you know, I don't like I said, I just don't really see myself as uh, you know kind of kind of one thing. I think I can 
and try to be bold. Your shot though was pretty high end. Like, what are some things you've done to develop it to that point? Where whether things you've had to practice on, elements you've taken from wherever you from other watching an NHL players. Like, how, how do you think it's gotten to this point? Yeah, I think just kind of you know, as a kid, you're always shooting pucks in your front sure. yard, backyard. Uh, it's something I still do. You know, did, did, you, did you do the Sidney Crosby thing where he where he where he banged up a few? Uh, garage doors or pieces or pieces of furniture downstairs uh, i broke a couple windows in the front yard but uh then i moved to the back and uh you know i still have that have a really good setup at my house in, in vancouver uh you know this in the summer i'm out there a lot of just shooting uh, uh, what do you do to get away from when you're not you know i want to get away from hockey because you said i know you watch a lot of hockey when you're not with the pads but when you're not wearing a regina patch jersey what what are you doing every day um I mean, like summer-wise. Any? Well, any when you're here, I don't know. Yeah. What, 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 what is your hobby? Oh, yeah. Like, what are, you, what are you doing your off time? Uh, yeah, I think just like spending time with family, and friends. You know, I, I like to you know play other sports, whether it's golf or you know racket sports or something like that. And, uh, I think just spending time with family and friends. Well, if you're a golfer, you'll fit well into the, into, into the hockey world. Yeah, I'm not a great golfer, but yeah, yeah, it, I like to do it. Yeah, I mean, you're you'll t- you know it comes with, comes with time, right? Yeah. Uh, is that your other? Is that the other sport you're really passionate about, or is there other other sports that you're that you that you're passionate about that you watch in your free time? Uh, I watch. I don't know. I watch a bit of football, a bit of basketball, but nothing, nothing too much. I mean, every Sunday it's kind of you know I think everyone watches watches some football, but. Uh, <laughs> but you yeah. don't you don't you know, like a favorite team, a thing that you fall passionate. Not, not really. I'm kind of a stat watcher for other sports. You know, I don't watch too much. Like stat watcher does mean like you're a fantasy player or just like a casual fan? Of I just just casual fan, kind of look at players in the NBA and stuff. Gotcha. I wanted to kind of talk about your support system in your family uh, for a second. So I believe that when you went over to Sweden, your sister came with you, right? Yeah, yeah. First, I kind of want to talk about how you know for people who are listening. So you went when when the COVID COVID happened and WHL wasn't starting. You went over to go play with in HV seventy one for a brief amount of time. Yeah, but you went. First of all, how did that come about? Because that's such a unique, you know, it almost harkens back to like when Austin Matthews went to Switzerland, essentially during his draft year. This was two years before your draft year, mind you. But like, how did that come about? Was that agent driven? Was that family driven? How did you make that connection with HB seventy one? I mean, it started with my agent kind of bringing up the idea of going over there, and uh, they had a good relationship with HB seventy one. So uh, then, you know, family kind of talked about it. And, you know, I think uh, yeah, I just wanted to play games, and you know, I think going over there was kind of the best opportunity to do that. Um, so it was a really good decision. I mean, the training was really good, and uh, I got to play a few games before you know they got shut down, unfortunately. Sure. But uh, I mean, it was a good decision, and you know, like you said, my sister coming, and uh, it's just cool for us to you know be over there. What? Yeah. Like how? How did that like discussion go about? Like, did she? Was that like your parents wanted you guys to be together? That it was was it her initiative? How how did that happen? Well, I mean, she was uh, it was COVID year, obviously, and she yeah. was supposed to be in university, but uh, she couldn't go, so she wanted to come and uh, you know have that experience, and uh, you know I wanted her to come as well, just you know, spend time with her and stuff. So, how uh, long were you good. guys there for? Like in total, two three months or so, uh, around there. So. Uh, yeah, we were there for a bit. No, that's, that's like, interesting. Interesting, and also you know, that year was strange for for everybody. Yeah. But uh, uh, that's a that's a unique experience. You know, staying on your family. Like, obviously, you've been in the limelight for years. I remember the hockey news did a feature on you like, four or five years ago, or something like that. How do you like? Who who's been your support system throughout all of this? Like, who do you who do you lean on? Who helps you? Kind of, kind of stay dialed in and and, and focused on be, on being the best player and best person you can be. 
yeah, I think it's, you know, my family, uh, you know, kind of very grounded with that stuff. And, uh, you know, for us, for me and for me, that was kind of, you know, outside noise. And, uh, you know, I think they've helped me with just focusing on, on where you are and, and what you need to do. So, um, I mean, they've been, they've been great with that and they've, they've handled it really well. And, uh, you know, they taught me a lot of it. Uh, you know, is it, is it been, you know, when did you get your first agent and how, how, how tall involved have they been in your process, in, in, you know, in your day-to-day process for the last few years? Yeah, I was, uh, I was 14 years old and, uh, they've been huge. I mean, just with decisions and, uh, advice and everything, they're, uh, they're really good. I mean, uh, I think, you know, I'm super happy with that I picked with, with Newport and, um, you know, I mean, it's been, it's been awesome just to have their support and, uh, just the connections they have. Uh, I want to turn to hockey just for, for a few more minutes here. It, I think when I talk to some NHL scouts about your game, you know, they will always talk about all the, you know, the very positive things you obviously, you know, had a lot of success so far in your junior career. I think the, the one question that come up is are, you know, for a guy, you're about five foot 10, you're still you know, going into your body. You know, are you an NHL center? I think is the one question that comes up because there aren't a whole lot of five ten NHL centermen. What would be your response to that question? I mean, there's there's a few of them. I think uh, yeah. Crosby's probably five ten, five eleven. Right. Braden points five five eight five nine. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, I do get to that level. You'll see what what position you end up playing. But you know, I've you know obviously played center my whole life, and uh, it's, you know where I'm most comfortable. But you know, I think you would uh, have to see, you know, what your coach thinks and, and kind of what the organization thinks. And, you know, I do end up getting there, like I said, on, on what position. Do when you look at those guys, whether it's Crosby, whether it's Spray and Point, whether it's Jack Hughes, is there any one of those guys you think your game is the closest to style, stylistic-wise? Uh, I'm not too sure. I think, you know, there's, there's little areas of, of all of them, I think, uh, you know, but, but I'm not too sure if I can – yeah, you know, I don't want to compare myself to Crosby or anything. So, oh no, of course uh, not. But but you're, we're looking for like you know just smaller yeah, size. Yeah, you know, not not trying to say you're compared to Crosby. Yeah, or something like that. no, I'm not too sure. Really, obviously, again, as a player, you've had quite a bit of junior success so far. How do you, whether it's in your day to day, your week to week, or year to year, like how do you set your goals for the season or for for yourself? Like what what is, what are your goals right now, and then how do you set them? Yeah, I think you always got to you know start with team goals and you know, I think I've always been told kind of with, with team success comes uh, you know individual success so uh, that always comes first and then for me it's just kind of improve as a as an overall player I think you know 200 foot game and uh, improve in all, all areas. What, what were some goals that you've had recently that you met and some that you had for yourself that you didn't meet? Um, I think last year not making the playoffs was one that you know didn't meet and you know, but I feel like as a as a player, you know, I improved my my game and uh, small thing like face offs. You got in the second half jumped up to like you know over fifty percent and something like that. So, uh, you know, I think that was uh, big for me. The draft is coming up, and I didn't want to make this question about the draft, but there's there's two other players other than you being discussed at the top of the draft. Uh, you played with Anthony Tilly on the Canadian under eighteen team in Germany last year. You played against Pavel Michkov at the prior U eighteens in Russia. If you could only take one player with you to the NHL, which one of those two would you take with you? I'm not gonna <laughs> answer that question. Uh, they're both they're both very good players, and um, <laughs> you know, like you said, I played with them and against them, and you know they're they're special, and you know I'm excited to see you know what they do this year. Let me let me phrase that in a different way. You know, how would you describe both of those players? Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> for Mishkov, he's a you know league goal scorer. I think 
uh, he's so good at, you know, finding quiet, quiet space. And I mean, his shot's unreal. And I mean, if you look at his stats, it seems like he's scoring at the same pace every time. So I think he's, uh, but when we played him, he could, you know, I watched him, you know, pretty closely and he'd make a lot of good, good passes and stuff too. So not one dimensional, he's special. Ben Tilly, I mean, he's six, six, three, six, four center and he's really fast. I was shocked at, you know, how fast he was in Germany and, um, I mean, he's he's smart. You know, he scores scores a lot of goals, and I mean, he's he's a special player. So they're both both very exciting to watch. You said you watched Mishkov really closely. Was there just because you just knew how hyped he was, or just was there a particular reason why you were watching him closely when you were when you were there in Dallas? I mean, I never seen him play, and you know, our names were were kind of like there for for about a year there, and um, you know, I think just to to get to watch him and and see what he's like and then kind of see the way he plays, it was uh, it was exciting. I think that was it for me. Okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah, exactly. I appreciate I appreciate your time. And I know you probably get asked the same questions over and over again by a by a million people. Uh so hopefully today I I didn't bore you too much. Yeah, no, it was good. Thank you for uh you know coming all the way out here and, and doing this. Yeah, no, um, my pleasure. I mean, I mean this is gonna be a great year for the for the Western Conference in general, not just you, but I mean I mean Nate Danielson, Brandon's a great yeah, player, oh, yeah. Jaeger and well you Daniel's a little four, but you probably played with Jaeger and Benson quite a bit, right? I or played, at least... I'm good buddies with Danielson just from uh, camp stuff, and I played against Jaeger a lot. I played with Benson growing up a lot. So, what I, camps were you at with Danielson? Uh, just Asian, Asian one last year. You're, you're both Newport. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so we were we were there like same hotel room for a week and stuff. So we we got pretty close, and uh, and then the other guys I know, I mean you know. Uh, I mean, even in the other other division, you know, Crystal and yeah, Hyde, like, all those yeah, guys. Yeah. So, is Crystal? Yeah. Are any, which one of them are from Vancouver again? Crystal. Crystal. Yeah, yeah we're really, really good. There. Right, and he's obviously out still in in, in Beast. Yeah. 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 Uh, did you watch his whole encounter out of curiosity? Yeah. Yeah, I watched uh, as many games as I could. We couldn't. I was at World Junior Camp for right. the last few games, so we couldn't get it on the TV there for some reason. But that's strange. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, but we got the finals a bit. And, uh, you know, I'd watch as much as I can of it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure you said, and, and obviously, yeah, and he's really good. Obviously, Jaeger and Benson are obviously guys who oh, yeah. really high. You got probably got. Did you? You said you played them coming up too. Yeah, yeah, I played with Benson on my spring team for five years or so. Crystal for eight or nine. So uh, Jaeger just played against them. Yeah, how would you kind of describe? I know Crystal. Obviously, you said you're really close. How would you describe Jaeger? How would you describe Benson? Yeah, I think Benson. You know, I mean, he's a really complete player. He's you know good in all zones and. Uh, skating is, you know, really good. It's he's shifty, and uh, I mean, he's just so good at making plays and and finding open areas to to score goals. And I mean, Jaeger's like, you know, Jaeger reminds me a lot of McKinnon with his, uh, you know, skating and his shot. And uh, I mean, he's so tough to defend just with how powerful he is. And uh, I mean, he can shoot the puck pretty hard too. So he's a both exciting player. Yeah, answer Mitch cover the Fantilli questions. I guess he want to answer this one. It's like if he can, who's the biggest pain of playing case for you, of, of like those three Daniels and Jaeger and Benson. Uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh yeah, that's a tough question. They're all uh, they're all tough players. And particularly Moose Jaw and Winnipeg, those are gonna be really tough teams for, for oh, you guys yeah. all season right yeah, now. Yeah, they're they're very good teams. So yeah, they're, they're loaded. I mean, yeah, and so We'll see what happens, but it should be a really great year for for the West in general. Maybe. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's exciting that age group. Said you, know, you go, you have those guys, and and I mentioned you I forgot to say Riley Height too. Yeah. Obviously, it was yeah. So it was you, but then it went. Jaeger went second. Uh, Height went second. Jaeger went third. And then yeah. Benson went. I think like he went a little bit later. He went fourteen. 
Yeah, he, he went in a spot that doesn't look good in hindsight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, he was a, it's a good pick for one of the for sure. Yeah, I remember like talking to somebody who said uh, uh, at the time, like he said Ben didn't even realize how good he was until no. until he got to the until he got to the jump yeah. I think you could always see it. He was MVP of that Bantam League. So you think uh, you think it was just like a size thing, probably? Or? No, I mean he was always really good. No, I just mean like why you like maybe he like went a little bit later. Oh, um, maybe I, I'm not too sure. I'm not really not really <laughs> get asked for that. Right, you were, you were running the draft. I'm just trying to like I know like yeah. I mean just talking to people in the league like that because you know, obviously he's still not the biggest guy, but he was he's you know not always the biggest guy and hey like not like dynamics like speedsters all of that. Those are the kind of the things I heard for why he he slid to whatever wherever it was in the draft. But obviously yeah, I mean. He's, I think he led the WHL playoffs in scoring. Yeah, I think so. So I mean, not a bad pick for for that for sure. Oh no, no, he's a he's a hell of a player. Um, yeah, I think that's it for me. Thank okay, you. sounds good. Uh, thank thank you, you. Thank you for your time, yeah, Connor. Nice to see you. Same to you, and good luck this season. Thank you. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Awesome. Great stuff from Connor Bedard, Corey. I'm curious, as you were going through that conversation, what stood out to you and anything that really made an impression on you or that you think will make an impression on NHL teams? I thought when uh, the topic of Maffei Michkov and Adam Fantilli came up, uh, both of those players considered among the top other top prospects in the 2023 NHL draft. You know, He seemed to kind of dial in really on the specifics of those players and talked about how when he was playing against Michkov at U18s, like, you know, he was very curious and, and focusing in on the guy's game just because obviously he's, you know, heard him mention a lot, mentioned in the same breath as him as he, uh, he said. So I, I thought that was interesting that as a guy who, you know, probably will tell people he doesn't want to focus too much on the draft, wants to focus on team success. But, you know, he clearly obviously has an eye on someone like Michkov who he will be competing with for, the, for that number one spot. And it's going to be a super fun competition to watch wire to wire. Let's jump in right now, though, with the guys who are in this most recent draft class are now starting to take, uh, in in many cases, their first strides uh, in the NHL in the exhibition season. Uh, Yuri Slavkovsky, Shane Wright, uh, the two of the top prospects from this last draft class playing in the preseason for for Montreal and Seattle. It sounds like, Corey, Shane Wright uh, is going to get every opportunity, even as this regular season starts here, to, to, to keep with the Kraken. Yeah, that seems to be an indication that their general manager, Ron Francis, uh, told our Pierre Lebrun is that they will probably keep right up uh, during the season. We obviously will see how it plays out, right? You know, there's different stages. There's the nine game stage and there's the 40 game stage uh, for them to kind of reevaluate where he is 
uh, at the NHL level. I've watched a couple of his preseason games. I think he's been solid, good. You know, I think he looks like he belongs at the NHL level. I would not say he's, I would say, particularly stood out. Not a ton of points. He's got, he gets some his shots, gets his scoring chances, makes some plays. But I, I wouldn't say from what I've seen of him in the preseason that I would classify him as a guy who no doubt looks like he belongs in the NHL and is ready to help the Seattle crack and win games right now. So here's my question for you, Chris, then. We, we've seen in recent years, and I'm going to kind of pick on the New York Rangers a little bit here. Sorry to, to our producer, Chris. Uh, we've seen Capococco and Alexi Lafreniere kind of make this immediate jump to the NHL at a time when it was at least debatable whether the, they were like 100% no doubt ready to be uh, big difference makers in the NHL. Do, do you get any kind of fear here going this route with Shane Wright? Would, would you have gone a different way? Yeah, I, I do have some fear because I, I think that there was less questions for me about Lafreniere and Kako going into their draft season or their their draft plus one in the NHL than there is with Wright. I mean, you know, I think that there's, you know, there's a reason he slipped to fourth. And and there's also what is what is the rush? Why? Is it the best thing for his development? That's the thing that I don't really know. I can say definitively. And, and really, we won't know until we see him in the regular season. I think... There's no reason to 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 um you know not give him that look with the NHL team. You've got the time to 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 do it, but if suddenly you're looking and you're saying this this isn't working. This isn't good for his development. He's not playing enough. Um he's not having success. You know, we're worried about his confidence. I mean, I, I think it's taking Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere more time to get up to NHL speed because the NHL isn't really geared towards development. It's not it's not a place where um you can you can and should get better. All players should move forward, there should be progress and things like that, but that's not the sole purpose. So my question for for the Kraken is at this stage in your organization when you did not have a good first year, when you have such an important piece of your future, why do it now? Um why why rush it? Because Quite frankly, Shane Wright did not dominate the OHL last season. He played well. He played really well. He just it, but it wasn't a dominant season. And you you wonder could he afford to have more time a, a, there and, and get better at some of the other things? So so my my biggest thing is is there there's there's not a ton of evidence to me so far based on what we've seen in the preseason um, coming out of his last season. I don't see an NHL player right now. I see a guy that's certainly on that track, but I don't see an NHL, an everyday NHLer, and a guy that's going to contribute. But again, I could be wrong. He could get in there, and once things, the games are live and all the players are going, things could get better. You never really know how a player is going to react. But you know, those two examples that you gave, Max, with with Lafreniere and Kako, I mean, it, they've kind of stumbled out of the gates here, and and I th- I feel like it's been detrimental to their to their overall long term development. Um, not that it can't be recovered. There was an interesting, you know, I've I've obviously covered plenty of prospects coming in with the Red Wings in recent years, and I know Jeff Blaschel when he was the coach would kind of make this distinction of of guys who were ready to survive in the NHL versus ready to thrive in the NHL, and I don't think anyone of us has like doubts of whether Shane Wright is going to be able to handle the NHL. So he can be able to night to night be able to to play, with, you know, not be a huge liability for the Kraken. But I, I do think it goes to this this point of like, is is it the best thing for him? Is he going to develop into the player that he can, if he's kind of in this mode of of surviving a little bit, and I I think that's the argument. I, the counter might be he's he as an exceptional status kid, he's already spent a lot of time in the OHL, and maybe there's a 
uh, he needs mentally to move on or it's just that that time in his life. I do get that too. He's in a tough spot with the CHL NHL agreement. Um, but I, I think it's a fascinating one. And, you know, I just wonder for, for Ron Francis coming out and, you know, he didn't he didn't write it in stone. Actually, I think he, he in fact said he doesn't want to draw a line in the sand. Um, but I think it is a process that I, you know, I, I'm very curious to see it play out. And I wonder if, if they'll maybe change their mind at some point. Yeah. And my, my lean would be from what I saw of him, both in the preseason and last season would be to send him back to the OHL, just because like what Chris said, to let him dominate, really, you know, be the MVP of that league, go to the world juniors, play a big role at that world juniors uh, at the, at that level. And that being said, kind of what Max just said too, like it, it, it's not, for sure yet that he's up all year. I do think, you know, there are reasonable hockey people in Seattle. And if it's actually not working out, I got to imagine they'll send him back. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I just, I haven't seen that yet personally, but, but we'll see with, with Lafreniere. I think the distinction I would make between maybe right. in this case is I thought there was no real reason to send Lafreniere back to junior. Uh, I know it, it took some time in the NHL for him to get up to speed and, and, you know, obviously the very good team in New York, not an easy lineup to get the, ma- the major minutes on and his skating wasn't the best, but I mean, that guy torched the QMJHL yeah. in his draft year and the year before that, what was he going to do? Go back and score four points a game. Was that really helpful for yeah. his development. So that was a tricky one where I think in Wright's case, he hasn't done what Lafreniere done has done in the CHL yet. So there's still that developmental opportunity there. If it doesn't go well in the NHL for him. How about your Slavkovsky? What would you do there? I mean, he, he's still kind of going through this process with Montreal. Maybe I think it's fair to say he hasn't blown the doors off in the preseason either. What, what would you do there? I, I have actually, I've liked some of his preseason games. Some of them haven't been as you know, impressive that game versus Toronto, for example, he was very good versus NHL players. Uh, other games, he hasn't been as impressive, but they have options of him. He can stay in the, in the NHL. He can go down to Laval American League. He can come up and down between the American League and the NHL, depending on how his year goes. And he can go back to Finland. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do uh, with him. I think hockey-wise, I'd like to start him in Laval. I think there are some parts of his game that are look NHL ready. I think he, like Wright, he could survive and help an NHL team. Um, I, but I would like, this is not a guy yet who's actually had a really good club season yet. Like a truly great club season. And I think there's something to be said about trying to develop that consistency and having that really great club season. You know, he was pretty good at the junior level as a 16-year-old in Finland, but it wasn't simply an outstanding year. So I think there is some value to going down to Laval and and showing that you can light up the American League before going to the National Hockey League. However, there is the issue and I think this is why you got to keep Finland as a realistic possibility that just cuz of Montreal being what it is, like I feel like if he's in Laval, every single shift of his down there is going to get dissected. <laughs> That's a good point. And also Laval's ticket sales are going to go way up next year. <laughs> um, so if they do that, but no, what I, what I would say to Corey, and I think that that is, you know, getting him out away from the spotlight would, would make some sense. But at the same time, I, I do think that the AHL is the style of hockey that he's going to have to get used to. I think some of the things that we've seen from him in NHL games and in the rookie tournaments were, you know, plays that you can, get away with when you get a little more time and space when you're, you know, the, the, the AHL is a very tightly checked league. It is a place where the time and space closes very quickly on you. And I feel like he can actually 
benefit from that more than more than anything else. Just making quick decisions, making the different, uh, um, you know, just making different reads and plays against professionals here. And the thing is, is you know, if if you can surround them with the right people, that that's the other thing in the AHL is you have to have the right apparatus for a player that's as skilled and as good as as Slavkovsky is to be able to maximize that talent, to be able to, you know, if he's going to make a play in in a NHL level read, he needs a player that's going to be able to, you know, convert on those opportunities and and a player that's going to be able to get him the puck where he needs it. Um, And that doesn't always happen in the AHL. It does happen a lot. I mean, a lot of teams have stacked their, their rosters with more veteran players that, that are better equipped to do those kinds of things. But for me, you know, I think that the, the, the appropriate decision with, with, Slavkovsky has to be completely guided by development and obviously not by the pressure that 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 both he and I guess the team to a certain extent would be under in t- with him being the number one overall pick. I think Owen Power going back to college last season as a number one overall was was a signal to any future number one picks that it is okay to go back to where you were or to start at a level that's not the NHL. And I think with the advantage of having the AHL. And I totally agree, Corey. I think it's going to be scrutiny city. It's going to be a lot of pressure, but I also think that he's going to have to start getting it used to it sooner or later. And, and, and now with, with Laval, um, you know, that's maybe like the appetizer for the massive spotlight that would come his way at the bell center. And my lean is sent to the American league and Montreal did talk about when they picked Slavkowski that whether they feel like the player they were going to pick number one could handle that spotlight was a variable. So obviously they believe he can do that, whether it's in Montreal or Laval. Uh, to your point about the talent, I think he will have some players to play with down there. I mean, Philip yeah. Meshar will probably be down there. Maybe Jesse Yalone and Matthias Norlinder. Not only like high, high-end prospects, but they're good players, talented players, guys who have skill and he can create offense with. And I think he started in the American League, and I think you just see how it goes, right? Maybe it takes – maybe he needs a few months down there. Maybe it's a midseason call-up. Or maybe he, you send him down there and it's kind of like a Joel Farabee situation in, in his rookie pro season where you send him down and two weeks in, you're like, oh, shit, never mind. Up you go. Um, <laughs> so I have no problem with that approach. Chris, you mentioned Owen Power, and I, I want to use that to just take us into really a, a collection of Buffalo Sabres here, because I think we've known for a while now there was a youth movement coming to Buffalo, and really, I guess you could say there has been for some time. Uh, but already, it looks like we're seeing top nine looks right now in training camp for J.J. Paterka, Peyton Krebs, Jack Quinn. You, you have not only Power, but Matias Samuelson uh, near the top of, of that Sabres lineup. Are we just going to get this all at once here in Buffalo? I mean, why not? You know what? What else has worked? You know, and I, I think that it's time too, because I th- I think with the guys, particularly Krebs, Paterka, and Quinn, uh, and Samuelson, just getting getting really strong performances at the AHL level, they've proven it at that level now. So they're they're you know it's it's time to push them to to potentially make that step. Now, will all of them end the season with the Sabers? I don't know. We'll have to see. But I th- I love the idea of of putting it in their hands now. And saying because I think that the the Sabers aren't disillusioned to believe that they are ready to compete immediately. You know they they know that now this is about taking the next step as an organization, getting your core together, and and giving them more time. I think you know a lot of teams in various stages of rebuilds, you kind of start to see this transition of when they hand it over to the kids. We see it in all sports um, as well when when they're just starting. And I feel like that that the Buffalo is now in that that range where. It's time to give them this team and to make them, you know, essentially lead this team and give them the opportunities 
to learn together. Um, the only trouble with that is, is that if you do start losing a lot and you don't want to keep that continuous cycle that Buffalo has kind of gone through where it's just a lot of losing. But I do think that if you have the young players in the lineup and if you give them some taste of success, and I think Ottawa has done this to a, to a, a certain extent, not certainly not as many at once. Um, but you know, they're looking, they're, they're at a, they're at a step ahead of Buffalo in terms of their kind of maturation as an organization. I think Buffalo is trending in that direction. Um, I love it. You know, I, I personally love it. I also think that Don Granado is the right kind of coach for, for a young team. Um, I think that he's the kind of guy that can give you, um, a lot of positivity. I mean, I've, I've been around Don a little bit, uh, in, in my career and just knowing how he operates and the way that he thinks the game you know, he's going to do his best to put these guys in a position to succeed. So um, I think for Sabres fans, get excited about seeing the future, but don't anticipate the futures here now. You know, like it's it's not this isn't going to be a team that's going to be amazing and blow the do- doors off anybody. But the, this is going to be a, a, another learning year, but it's with the guys that you expect to be part of your future core. Yeah. You know, we mentioned those young guys, but I've also liked Dylan Cousins in the preseason, too. Mm-hmm. And. You know, and I think there's you know it'll be an interesting interesting season to see what Casey Middlestat does, right? I mean, I know there's other young guys that are probably you know Sabres fans are more excited about now. Middlestat's kind of stagnated a little bit, but he's it looks like he's going to have a prominent role to start the year. So, you know, if he's healthy, it'll be interesting to see what he does. I think in general that Dalene Matias Samuelson pair will be really interesting to follow all season. And yes, I don't think the Sabres are going to win this year, but you know, I think I don't think it's unrealistic to expect them to take meaningful steps forward as an organization. That doesn't mean make the playoffs. That doesn't mean even you know, come within a couple of points making the playoffs. But I think this is a, an organization that is trending in an upwards direction. Uh, one of the names, Corey, that, that I saw on on your list for prospects who have stood out so far is, is Brant Clark. And, I, you know, obviously top 10 pick, a, a prospect who's got a lot of potential. I don't know that I expected to see him on this kind of list this quickly. And I wonder, Chris, did that surprise you at all to see the kind of performance that Clark has turned in throughout this preseason so far? You know, I, I think it, coming into this this entire offseason, I, I would have been. But having gone to the rookie tournament in San Jose and seen how he played there, you know, I saw a player that was that had, that had taken a step, a, a guy that had definitely um, made some strides in his game that was more confident against pros uh, with a puck on his stick. And I think that we're seeing that now that he actually is excelling when playing alongside and against high-end players. Now, he still has a lot of his game to clean up. There's going to be things that, that that have to, to you know, get fixed over time with him. But at the same time, some of the plays that he's making, the reads that he's making, you know, they're very strong. And, and, and so now it's like looking to the point where, hey, he's he's done enough to earn an extended look, I would say. Um, do I think that the long-term best in his best interest is to be with the Kings? That's where I'm, I get a little bit hung up just because I think there's more for him. There's more, there's more for him to do at the junior level, but at the same time, it's hard to argue with how he's played. And, and, you know, he's a guy that I've had a lot of questions about over the years. I still think that he's got exceptional upside and the, the skill level that he has and his hand skills are, are, are really, really impressive. Um, and now we're just kind of seeing how it looks against NHL players. And so far, you know, it's looked pretty solid. So, you know, if you would have asked me this before I went to that rookie tournament, I would have said, yeah, absolutely. I'm shocked. But I think that, you know, this is a continuation of, of how he started his, uh, you know, basically his summer here. So, so pretty good on him. And it's not just 
about whether it's best for him to stay or not. I, I kind of agree with Chris, even though he's been very impressive. I would say in terms of whether he's ready to be an 82-game player, I'm on the periphery of that. You know, I yeah. see the argument. I see it against it. The issue with the Kings is it's not like this is a bad team. They have options on defense. You know, you know, sending keeping Clark means sending Tobias Bjornfoot to Ontario. Keeping him up means sending maybe Jordan Spence down or having to keep a player like Sean Dursey maybe on the periphery of the roster who was very good in the NHL last season. So, you know, he's forcing some very tough roster decisions. And I have to imagine when you have good veteran players, maybe not Spence and Dursey, not veterans, but guys with pro experience who have excelled at the pro level already, my my head, my lean would be to send Clark back, maybe give him a couple of games to reward him for such a good camp. Uh, yeah. But that's kind of, you know, this is a team that's trying to make the playoffs this year. And, and I don't know, like, you just, like, I know Spence and Bjornfoot haven't exactly blown the doors down the NHL, but but they're good players too. One guy who I do think is, looks like going to make the, the team for for their club is Dylan Holloway, who as of this week has been skating next to Leon Dreisaitl and Zach Hyman. Uh, it looks like, Corey, he's ready to break through. Right. And the message from the Oilers coming into the camp was Holloway really needs to blow us away to make this team. Otherwise, he's going to the American League. And he he heard that message and said, "Okay, I guess I can do that." Uh, and you know, he ha- he scored a hat trick in one of the preseason games. I think in just from his rookie camp through the preseason games, he's looked very impressive. A powerful, uh, competitive forward with good speed and skill and scoring ability. And, and I do think this is a guy who has shown, uh, you know, this you know he missed a lot of last year due to injury, but also he was very good as a sophomore at Wisconsin, very good at junior player. And I think this is just a guy who continues to show that he's a good hockey player, and I think he's going to help the Oilers this season. Yeah, I agree completely. You know, and and Holloway having you know been injured for a portion of last season, you know, he he kind of had a late blooming season, you know, and then he, he got the opportunity to get into the playoffs. I I'm just I'm fascinated with where he's going to fit for them long, you know, and and where you know if he's going to be able to maintain what he's done so far in the preseason. I'm a, I, I've been a big believer in Dylan Holloway for a long time. And, and I think that, you know, ultimately this is kind of what we envisioned him to be was this guy that could make these kind of plays um, and do these kind of things. Uh, it, you know, he's doing it in the preseason. So we have to wait and see if he's going to be able to do it in the regular season. But I agree with Corey. I think he's ready to help this team. Um, and, and his game has really matured in ways that, you know, are, are probably a, a bit quicker than they expected. And, and he's forcing them into that decision to say, hey, I'm, I'm here to stay. And one last guy who looks like he's trending toward the, the right side of that roster bubble uh, would be in Minnesota. That would be Marco Rossi. Chris, any uh, you, you think he's trying to avoid your home state here? Does not want to go to <laughs> Iowa? What's the story? Yeah, he, I'm sure he does. You know, I he, I guess he was living in West Des Moines last year. So that's a pretty nice little suburb over there. So I don't know why you want to avoid that. But uh <laughs> But you know what? The thing about Marco Rossi is, is, is you know, when you're a top prospect and having gone through the things that he's gone through in his life, uh, aside from just hockey, um, you know, you're always wondering how, how you're going to get back. And I, I think you have to credit him for the incredible amount of work that he's put in on his body, on his f- uh, physical well-being, on his um, physical fitness, and on his 
uh, his game, getting it back to where it needed to be. And I think, you know what, there were points at last season in the AHL where you say this is he's in the right spot because he's not there yet. He's not ready yet. I think over the course of this preseason, we've seen a guy that's making NHL-level reads. We've seen a guy that's been able to handle the pace of the NHL um, and, and, and the physicality of the NHL, and he's getting back there. I mean, when he was in junior, he was a dominant player, even though he wasn't big. Um, you know, his lower body and his ability to just, you know, protect, protect pucks, win battles, all these different things. Um, you know, he's, he's getting back to that again. And it took him a while to do that against pros as it would for anybody, but he was dealing with, you know, a full year away from hockey, a lot of health concerns and other things like that. And I, I think you just have to give him all the credit in the world for the work that he put in. And also the credit to the Iowa wild that have, that have been a really strong developer for Minnesota over the last few years with Tim army at the helm there. Um, and it's not just a plug for, for where I live now, but it's just, you know, the, the fact that it's really important to have a very good AHL team and system and, and development path. And I think that Minnesota has found that in Des Moines. Here's my question on Rossi, uh, is I think he's looked good in the camp in the preseason. I think based on what he's shown over his career, he's probably, you know, really skilled competitive player. He probably is one of the 12, the 13 best forwards right now on the wild so, you know, he's and, – and the Wild are trying to win right now. So you want the best players on your team. It looks like he's going to start off on the fourth line in between Connor Dewar and Brandon DeHame. Is that the best place for Marco Rossi would be the one question I have. Even though if I was in their position, I would probably want him on my team if I'm trying to win games. Yeah, I think that's a really fair point, Corey, too, because it, it is – I think that's a question a lot of teams ask themselves is we, we, this guy's right. We, we think he's ready for the NHL, but we just don't have the right spot for him. And, and so, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, if, if it, if it comes down to it, I think it's worth seeing how he, you know, how he fills that role. And if, if you're able to provide some secondary scoring from that position. Um, but then if, if not, yeah, I mean, then you want him getting more reps as a top six, you know, forward that's driving play and, 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 making things happen because as good as he was in the AHL last season, it isn't like he was just the outright dominant player. So there's always room that, you know, there's always room to, to improve for any player, but I think that for him, yeah, it's it, for, for the wild, they have to make that right decision based on role and, and, and availability. But, you know, he's in a much better position this year than he was last year um, to, to find a way to make an impact for an NHL team. All right, let's get into now uh, kind of a, an overview of some of the top names in the USHL this year. We're just coming out of the USHL Fall Classic here. Um, obviously, there are some guys in the 2023 class we're going to want to talk about, but we should probably start with the potential, the presumptive one year out, the, the annual tradition, the next year's guy, Macklin Celebrini. Chris, you want to start us off on, on Celebrini? Yeah, Max, you know what? This is... It's always been exciting these last few years where we've had these high level uh, elite, you know, elite level prospects come into the USHL a year before their draft. We saw it with Owen Power, Adam Fantilli, um, you know, uh, Andrei Svechnikov before them. Um, and, you know, I think Celebrini's in that in that mix. He's he's the presumptive, you know, at this point, it's very early. Lots can change. But, you know, he's been projected as one of the top 2006 born players in the world. Potential to be the number one pick in the 2024 draft. Playing with the Chicago Steel, just like Adam Fantilli and and Owen Power did um, in their, you know, before their draft. And so uh, he's a he's a fascinating player. I know Corey has seen him, saw him live last year, I obviously and saw him this year at the Fall Classic. Unfortunately, he got hurt at the Fall Classic. He's gonna be out for a few more weeks, but 
Um, it doesn't sound like anything too serious. And before he got hurt, he had three points. But you go back to last season. He played at the Sh- at Shattuck St. Mary's. He was a 15-year-old on their prep team, so a U16. And, and you think about all the people that have gone to Shattuck St. Mary's, and there are only two guys that had a better better point production uh, in, in a points-per-game basis than Macklin Celebrini at Shattuck at the same age, and it's Sidney Crosby and Jonathan Taves. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I've, I've heard of those guys. I've heard yeah, of I, them. I know those names. Um, yeah, so... So, like, the thing is, 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 is Max Celebrini, he, he's an elite player. No question about it. I think he thinks the game at a high level. Um, I, you know, I'll let Corey kind of describe the way he sees his game because, you know, I, I've, I've been around the kid a little bit this year uh, doing some stuff for Flow Hockey, and uh, I'm just blown away by his maturity, his understanding of how he needs to play, and his ability to kind of compartmentalize the expectations that are on him and what he's trying to do. And and I think he's going to be a very special player. Yeah, I think with Celebrini, he's a very well-rounded player, uh, a very skilled, highly, highly intelligent player. He makes a lot of skill plays with pace. He competes well. He can, he can score goals. For a guy who, as Chris mentioned, is, is in the one overall discussion, I wouldn't say, like, for me, he rises, at least from what I've seen early on, to like that truly high end tier, whether it's Rasmus Dallin, Jack Hughes, like one of those, like you're number one, you're going to be such a foundational part of our franchise type of prospect. Like he looks more like a Nisho, Nico Heischer type of number one, maybe a little bit better than that. Uh, but we'll see how his next two years go. You know, so I'll be really curious to see. I think with 2024 draft, there hasn't been a lot of guys who have clearly distinguished themselves. Like I'm going to be a top five pick unless something goes really wrong. So I think that draft class has a lot of room to develop over the next two years. Usually that tells me there's going to be some CHL kid that's going to come bursting out like a bull in a china shop. That seems to be anecdotally how this goes. Is if, it, if it's not someone we know about two years out, so a couple OHL or WHL centers are going to break through and they're going to be the guys. That's my theory. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see about that. So, But, you know, it's it's really – the thing about Max with the, with him as well is, you know, he's he's got size. He's got – you know, he's going to continue to build strength. And um, I just I, – I think, you know, I think he's – based on what I've seen so far and it's just, you know, limited to what I saw last year and, and early on this season, you know, there's just, he's got so much, such a great foundation to build up on. And uh, I, I think he's only just going to get better and better as things go, as, as we go forward here. Moving into the, this current class, I, I think one of the most interesting players in the USHL this season uh, might not have played in the USHL this season, if not for uh, an amazing Halinka tournament. This is the goaltender, Michael Rabal, who gets traded from Dubuque to Omaha following a really tremendous Halinka and has now stacked on top of it a, a really good USHL fall classic, Corey. Yeah, and that, the Halinka was very good for, for Czechia. Um he, they didn't win the tournament by any means, but uh, they won a couple of games they shouldn't have, and, and mostly due to the play of Harabal. Then he goes to the USHL Fall Classic, and the first game against the USA U18 team uh, helps bring uh, a significantly outgunned Omaha team to overtime. Uh, I forgot the shot totals. It must have been something like 45 to 20 or something like that, and, and they still uh, lose in overtime. And then he shut out the Lincoln Stars the next day. I mean, he was really impressive. Big goalie, moves well for the size, really intelligent. Uh, I was talking to one scout at the tournament. He said, that's some of the best goaltending I've seen since Spencer Knight. 
Uh, I'm not saying this guy is going to be a, you know, a super high first rounder. We got a long way to go to see how his season plays out, but it's fair to say there is significant intrigue in this player right now as a pro prospect. And I would say he is the runaway best goalie in that the draft class right now. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, he's, he's six foot six. He can move. He's got really nice technique to him. Um, you know, I, I think the thing that really impressed me again, especially in that game against the U S was, just how contained he was. I mean, he was under duress and he just, just being as big as he is and as as aggressive as he played um, without just swimming in the net, you know I mean? It was, it, it, it was impressive to see that kind of goaltending. I mean, and in the USHL, the, the USHL has not had many goalies like him. I mean, you think about there, there haven't been a ton of non NTDP goalies to come out of the league um, and, and just really, you know, be stars. Um, this is a guy that absolutely has that potential. And uh, I mean, I knew about him coming in, but to actually see him play live, to see a guy that big that moves that well, that is, is so uh, sharp. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive to watch. So the, you know, he makes the Omaha Lancers. He gives them a chance in every single game now because he's that kind of goalie. And that is a really tough league. To, to find that level of, of, of goaltending. And so uh, very impressed by him. How about the defenseman in Sioux Falls, Maxim Sturbach, Chris? Is, is this guy who could go in the first round? I think 6'2", right shot D, uh, off to a pretty good start. Is this a potential first rounder? You know, he he, he certainly is going to have a bit of a learning curve. I, I saw that in the first couple of games, but there's smoothness to his game. He sees it really well. He scored on his first shot in the USHL. I don't think he was trying <laughs> to score. I think he was trying to get a puck on net, but it went in. Um, and you know, he's, he's big, he's rangy, he's mobile, and he's had a lot of high level experience. He played at the world juniors this year, uh, for Czechia and, and was, or Slovakia, sorry. And, um, you know, he was, he was able to, you know, play big minutes for them and play, uh, you know, play in, play a really strong role. And I think with Sioux Falls this year, they've got a veteran decor. They've got some guys that have been there before that'll help him kind of move along, um, and, and I'm really impressed by just his poise uh, in this league. You know, it's his first time in the league, first year draft eligible. Uh, he's committed to Vermont, which is interesting. You know, like they've they've actually been going very hard after uh, uh, European players as part of their recruiting process. So, you know, it's it's been rare for the Catamounts to get a guy that 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 is that you know high end in terms of what we expect for the draft, but. You know, with the smoothness, the poise, the fact that he's had some high level experience at such a young age and, and, and thrived in those situations makes me believe that he he absolutely can can be in the hunt for the first round this year. Percentage chance he actually plays one game in Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, that's the thing is like so, so many times you'll see a guy will commit. But then, you know, I think a lot of people thought Kale McCarr would never go to UMass. And then he did. I so. didn't say he wasn't good. I didn't say zero percent. I was asking you what's the percentage. Chance I know. He plays? I, I, I couldn't even. I couldn't even put a percentage on it because because I don't know the kid that well. But he seems he seems like uh, you know he seems like a mature young man. So I'm sure he he had a very well thought out decision when he when he decided to go to Vermont. I say less than fifty percent chance. One more guy, Chris. I know that you're excited about in, in the USHL non NTDP division, and we will get there. Uh, Andrew Strathman, the North Dakota commit, smaller left-handed D, uh, but a guy who I know you like. Yeah, you know, I, I just I think that based on what I've seen and the fact that you know he he's played in the USHL, he's got a year of experience already and played really well on on a on a Tri City team last year. 
that was among the best in the league. Um, you know, he's got some, he's got some jam to him, despite the fact that he's a little bit on the smaller side. Uh, he, he skates very well. He's got good mobility. I think he sees it really well. Played for the U S at the Holinka Gretzky cup and was, was there, you know, one of their most impressive players. I thought, um, I wasn't there live like Corey was, I was, I was watching on video, but I, I really liked the way that he performed there. And, and Youngstown actually is going to be a very interesting team to follow, um, they have a number of NHL draft picks on their team, and then they also have a number of draft eligible guys like Strathman, William Whitelaw, Jacob Fowler. Their goalie is also, um, you know, a guy that could be drafted. So, you know, I think that that's going to be fascin- a fascinating team to follow. And Strathman in particular, you know, he had a really good first weekend at the Fall Classic, three points right off the hop. He's re- he's going to be on their top power play. Um, so, you know, and, and then being committed to North Dakota, that's been a haven for top, top level defensemen. You know, a lot of guys get better there. Um, Jake Sanderson, of course, uh, spent the last two seasons there. So I think they're, they're going to be really happy to get him in Grand Forks as well. Cause I, I think there's some upside there for sure. All right, let's go now to, to the program. And I think that the guy at the top, I mean, there's always so, so much talent at the program, but this year, kind of the guy I, I would say for me, a little ahead of the pack, uh, is Will Smith. Good season last year with the 17 team, but he also played pretty close to half of that year with the 18s. Usually that's a really good sign. Partly, obviously, gets driven by injuries, but he held his own when he got called up there, Corey. And I wonder, what do you see Smith's potential as as we go into this year? Right. And actually, Ryan Leonard, I think, played more and played a bigger role with the 18 team. I think just because of the way he plays a hard you know, competitive player that he filled a, a role on one of those wings. But I think I agree with you. I think Smith is the guy. Uh, I think this is a guy with a lot of skill. Cre- he's a creative centerman. He skates well. He makes highly skilled plays with pace. Uh, he can he can shoot the puck really well. Uh, I think he competes well enough. I've seen him kill penalties. Just like a very well-rounded player with with some flashes of dynamic ability in there too. Um, you know, he's not the biggest guy, six zero ish type of you know, but but again, the feet are good. So you so you kind of like and the, the the style he plays that'll translate to the pros. You know, I I'm not. You know, usually when you talk about the top guy in the program, you're saying he's a top ten guy all day long. I'm not there yet with Smith. I think he has a chance to be a top ten guy. I'd say. Probably more top 20, top 15 right now as it stands, but he has a chance to be top 10 with a really good season given how talented he is. Although there is a top 10 guy in, in this year's draft, but that's, but that's the late 04, Charlie Stravel. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, so far Smith has averaged two points a game, um, you know, at the, with the under 18s and they've played, you know, he's scored in every game that they've had. Um, he's, you know, just kind of scoring big goals too. the speed factor that he brings and, and, and the ability to make plays at pace, it really stands out and it's made him very difficult to defend. And even though, you know, in a lot of years on an NTDP team, you're looking at, you've got so many different guys you got to worry about. And even if you key on Smith, he just has the brain to be able to kind of, uh, you know, get, get his way around that and, and find ways to score and make the guys around him better. So, um, I've been really impressed by the way that he's played this year. I think that, you know, as he continues to build strength, he's got, you know, a good enough frame to to tack on more muscle and be a little bit tougher to move off pucks and things. And that'll help him a lot. But I think that the base of his game right now and what he's shown in the early season is that, you know, this is a guy that's going to make some real noise in this in this uh, in this draft class. And I, I agree with Corey. I think he's on the fringe of the top 10 now, but, I you know, the, he's trending up. He's certainly trending up for me. 
I wonder behind Smith, like how do you kind of parse the next group of NTDP guys, Corey? Because you've got some different flavors. You mentioned Leonard, who I think can kind of play a little more of that gritty, jammy role if you want him to. You've also got Oliver Moore, who's kind of that slick, smaller centerman. Uh, Gabe Perot, another guy who probably belongs in that conversation. How do you parse kind of that next tier? How long is it? It's probably those three players, maybe Danny Nelson, depending on who you talk to. They all it depend. I think those guys are all close enough that it'll depend how their seasons go to see what order they go in. Uh, Leonard does have a little bit more jam in his game. He skates well, but he also has had a four goal game during one of the games this season. So I think there is offense in his game. Oliver Moore, I think, is the clear best skater on that team, while also having offense uh, to go with that. Gabe Perot, you know, not the biggest guy or the fastest, but he's got a ton of offensive creativity. He, he can score. He works hard. You know, he's, he's a big part of their power play. And Danny Nelson is one of the most fascinating prospects in this draft class. Played defense at, in Minnesota High School last year. He's a second-line center on the program this season. Uh, you know, big guy, has skill. Uh, I think, you know, just a, there's, there's a lot of development ahead for this player. You know, I may not, may not be 100% ready to make an impact yet at this level, but there's a lot of tools there. And I know a lot of NHL scouts I talk to are very intrigued by this player. I think there's a chance he could be the second best player on the team by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, I, I would agree with Corey on that. The the Nelson is is just it's it's all about that raw ability and and seeing where he can take it. And I've seen a lot of guys come into the NTDP in that second year. Um and sometimes it's a tough adjustment and some guys absolutely thrive in that environment. And and uh I'm I think he's gonna be one of those guys that I, I can't wait to see it. And the one thing I'd say about uh Ryan Leonard too, just real quick, because he is I, I think that there are so many teams that want you know, they, they have to find players that, that play the way that he does in order to, to win, you know, and I think that he plays that that versatility that he brings, the physicality, the fact that he's not a huge guy, but he's just always in there. Kind of like, you know, Rucker McGordy was was similar um, in that way. And and if he continues to develop that scoring tool and he, he really does have some really good scoring ability, he had a great under 18 world championship, too. I think he had five goals in five games, including a hat trick in one game. So. You know he's he's got the uh, the ability to to make some noise. So I think I think he's the kind of guy that he doesn't necessarily look like your typical first rounder, um, but he's going to be a first rounder. I just think that there are going to be enough teams that just love the way that he plays, and and that'll that'll be enough for him to to push him over the top. Awesome. Well, a lot of time to follow all those guys, and we'll certainly be on top of all of it. But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. You can subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. It starts with a 30-day free trial, and then it's just 99 cents a month after that. You can catch more of Chris over at Flow Hockey and his podcast, uh, Talking Hockey Sense. And, of course, you can subscribe to The Athletic right now for a dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. We'll talk to you soon.